TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. Way back and gone! Touch them all! It's Touch Them All. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying Touch Them All. All right. Welcome back to Kieran's Irish Pub just across the street from the Twins' home opener today at Target Field. And a shift change here for Touch Em All. The first hour was awesome with Manny Hill, Derek Wetmore, Rami Makhlouf. This is your first ever Twins opening day. Yeah, so. and it's awesome. I was just telling the guys in the in the first hour, this is, this is what I'm used to on opening day, having come from Chicago. This is a very similar experience and feel to that, with the stadium being right in the city and people walking the streets and people going to work at the same time and just a lot of buzz and electricity in the city. And there is nothing like it. I said in the first hour of the show, our government wastes a lot of time and a lot of money on a lot of stupid things. How somebody hasn't brought to the floor of Congress a motion to make Major League Baseball yeah. opening day <laughs> an official <laughs> national holiday is beyond me. It's beyond me. Well, it's a special Mackie, Judd, and Rami edition of Touch Em All here. And so uh, I guess we could run that question by Twins President Dave St. Peter. How much pull do you have? Do we get people <laughs> to have, have an off day of work for well, a day like today? Um, you know, I... I when you're dealing with Congress, I've got very little pull, but I, but I, but I agree, and I, I think at a minimum, let's focus on the state of Minnesota, sure. right, and maybe work with uh, with Governor Walls, and let's try to do what we can in Minnesota to declare this a state holiday. Absolutely. And, uh, I mean, and, we'd and be at work either way. I'm looking 100%. out for the Score North listener <laughs> and the Twins fan, Dave. Yeah, look, opening day is a pretty cool day. I, you know, I, I, I always felt like that when I was a youth growing up, long before I ever worked for the team. You work for the team. This is my 30th opening day as a Twins employee, and I can tell you every single one of them is memorable. You know, mm-hmm. I remember them for just different things. Last year, I don't remember anything about the game. I think we won the game. I remember the Eagle landing on James Paxson. That's right. I remember here at the Metronome, first pitch of the year, Brad Ratke threw home run over center field, I think, uh, for somebody for Tampa. But every year there's something memorable, and I think that's the way a lot of people feel about opening day. 30 years, huh? Yeah, Jeff, just re- dating myself. You are. Re- reflect on that. As, as a guy that I got to know as an intern in the North Stars PR department with, reflect on 30 years of, uh, of this franchise now and you b- being here for all of it. Yeah, you know, it's, um, it's, it's flown by, right? But, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it, it's, I've been blessed. I get to, I've, I've had a chance to experience a lot of different things, uh, multiple ballparks, obviously the opening of Target Field, teams that had great expectations coming in, teams that had very little expectations. Um, this year's team, I think, is, 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 is closer to those great expectations. Um, I, I think that there's only any reservation that anybody would have would be more around our pitching, which I get. I understand that why there are questions there. I think we believe we'll be better there than most people think, but we're going to have to demonstrate that. I think we all agree we should be pretty good offensively, and we should hit a lot of home runs. I think it'll be a fun team to watch. So uh, I, I, let's, I was going to save some of the current. Let's, let's dive into that for now because there's been a lot of major shifts the last two or three years with mostly the baseball side of the organization. How would you characterize where things are at now that we're into year three of Derek Falvey, Thad Levine, and everything they've been implementing? Well, I think that, you know, we're, you know, I I don't think you're ever done building out a a baseball operations group because we're always looking for that extra competitive advantage or that, you know, maybe additional personnel that we could add here or there. Uh, But I would say we're we're pretty deep into it uh, in terms of the vision that was laid out to Jim Polad and others when Derek Falvey was hired. And um, we've seen it come to life around, I think you saw it this year in spades in spring training with the way our player development operation now um, is rolling under Jeremy Zoll's direction. And the use of technology, the 
the, some of the additional people that have been added, resources. Um, I think we feel as though we're miles ahead of where we were in terms of our ability, hopefully over time, to develop major league talent. Mm-hmm. Um, you've seen it, I think, a little bit with our draft and our draft approach the last couple of years. Rocco Baldelli coming in as our major league manager is yet another example of that. So um, I feel good about it. Um, you know, clearly I'm biased, but I think Derek Felvey and Thad Levine are the right guys for this franchise. And I think that um, clearly major league victories are, is, is the vision here. And I'm, 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 I have every expectation that in 2019 we're going to see enough progress at the major league level where more fans will start to understand that there's a path here towards being a perennial contender. And when the Twins were, from, from 2001 through 2010, the decade of division championships, I think if you were to boil down, what did, what, what did the Twins hang their hat on? And I, and I would have said, draft develop, draft yep. develop, internal draft develop, and there's always this core and this nucleus. And then the organization lost its way on the field for a while. What now do you think the organization hangs its hat on? Draft what, develop. Draft developed, and you know the other thing I think that, that really helped us in the, the the window where we won six division titles in nine years. Let's be honest, we made some good trades. We walked, you know, we, we walked away in a couple of cases where we needed to walk away, um, and and we weren't at that time burdened by by a lot of dead money uh, that was going to hold us back. Um, I think currently, it's, it, this club has always got to be around draft and develop. I think though, if you ask Brian Cashman that question in New York. He'd say draft and develop. Yeah. And, and I think that's just the reality of baseball, particularly with the onus on young talent. And you can see how teams are now, what you saw even the last couple of weeks with uh, Jimenez with the White Sox, uh, um, getting paid what he did. I, I think there's a trend towards paying the younger players. And I, I think that that's all about trying to harness that young talent and keep it beyond your control years. Dave, how, how much has this game and in the time that you've been here, as we discussed before, how much have you seen this thing change, too? Because I'd be hard-pressed to think that there's any sport that, that in the last 20 years has changed as much as baseball. The philosophies of how you get to success are probably the same or close, yep. but the points of how you get there have just shifted in, in a direction that I would guess 20 years ago people would have said, what are you even talking about right yeah, now? It's, it's just a different level of sophistication, Judd, around you know technology and the use of information and the backgrounds of, of various people that are now working both in our Major League Clubhouse and across our player development system. Um, at the end of the day, though, I will say this. There's still a human component, and it comes down to people. Uh, you still have to have people working together. You still have to have people in sync. Uh, I don't care how gifted you are as a Major League player, you, know, you have to deal with the mental side of it. And we try to put people in the best position to succeed, but I think that the, the human aspects of it and how you as an organization um, uh, understand that and, and try to support people in that and foster that type of a culture where they can be themselves. Uh, Byron Buxton would come to mind and just go out and play uh, without being maybe afraid of failing. Um, I mean, that's what we're ultimately trying to create because at the end of the day, every organization has that information, and we all are investing mightily in the systems. Um, I still think the human element is what we're all mostly trying to harness in terms of that competitive advantage. And how much are you guys relying on? You talked about draft and develop, but I think that there is an element that you guys are counting on of developing guys who you didn't necessarily draft and tapping into something, getting something out of guys. Martin Perez comes to mind, who other teams just couldn't lock through your biomechanics and analytics department and doing it 
in a way that's digestible for a Martin yeah. Perez and the guys on that roster. Yeah, I mean, you're right about that. I mean, I think Martin Perez is, an, is a good example, much like Annabel Sanchez was a year ago. I'll mm-hmm. never forget the day we signed Annabel Sanchez and the market just absolutely killed us. Um, I wish we'd have had Annabel Sanchez the whole season last year. Yeah. Guilty. <laughs> he would have been, he would have been, he would have yeah. been a, a good guilty, Frank. No, but, not but that's you, a, but that's a product of <laughs> our 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 baseball ops group and specifically our pitching <laughs> analytics group seeing something, uh, seeing something in terms of spin rate, seeing something in terms of pitch selection, seeing something in terms of mechanics. So Martin Perez fits in that mold. Wes Johnson obviously comes with a background around velo. Um, I think we look at him. Uh, Martin Perez is a guy that was hurt a lot a lot last year, and Thad Levine has a relationship with him through his days in Texas. We were able to convince him. Come to Minnesota. Will you try some things with us in spring training? And I can tell you, we all like what we saw in Fort Myers. We think he's going to be a keeper. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if you're just tuning in here, uh, you can you can find our full slate of Score North Twins shows in one easy-to-find podcast feed. Just search Score North Twins wherever you find podcasts. Apple, Spotify, they're easy to find on scorenorth.com. We are live right now, a special Mackie and Jeb with Rami edition of Touch Em All. And uh, Twins President Dave St. Peter is here. And by the way, the Glenn Perkins show launched last week. It'll be weekly during the season starting next week. Glenn's on, Glenn's on like the Bahamas or something this week during opening day. Him and Mauer went on, uh, went on vacation, right? <laughs> uh, speaking of Mauer, by the way, this is, what's my math? This is the first Twins opening day without Mauer in, 15 what, 15 years? years? Yeah. What's, yeah. That's, what's, what's that like? It's odd. Um, you know, I went into the clubhouse uh, uh, early yesterday morning. And I look around, and, and it doesn't take you long to notice, Joe Maurer's locker is now occupied by Nelson Cruz. Yeah. So um, that's strange, uh, because obviously he, Joe's was so central to target field. So, I, I, you know, I, I think um, what I will say is, um, you know, Joe left on his own terms. And that day last, you know, September, October was pretty magical. Anybody was in the ballpark that day. Uh, I think it was going to be hard for him to come back from that. And, and I, I know this. He's absolutely thrilled to be a dad. Uh, he, I think he'd had enough. He's very much excited for this jersey retirement ceremony on June the 15th. And, um, you know, organizationally, we were blessed to have Joe Maurer. I, I'm hopeful over time he'll be more appreciated in this market. Not to suggest he isn't, but there's a segment of our fan base that always wanted more out of Joe. And I get that. But at some point, you got to appreciate what we had. Mm-hmm. I think he's a Hall of Fame player and one of the all-time greats. Mm-hmm. So uh, Joe is going to have... the. Jersey retirement in June. Are we getting a statue as well at some point? <laughs> Maybe someday. You know, that's not in the short-term plan, but uh, I would expect uh, that that could be in Joe's future at some point. Now, is Paul is Paul back now officially, Dave, no. or is is he still considering his options? Here yeah, to come you know, back? Paul's taking time. You know, we've you know, you got people got to have to remember. You know, Paul Molitor and I go back to the early '90s in terms of our relationship, and then he came to play for the Twins in '96. So. You know, we were close friends before he ever came to manage the Twins. So we stay in constant touch. Um, and, and Paul's taking time now, I know, to be a, to be a dad. And, and that's, his, that's really his sole focus. He knows we have interest in uh, a conversation with him about to the extent he wants to stay in baseball, to the extent he has interest in coming to work for the Twins. He knows that there's a conversation to be had. And I think he appreciates that. I know he appreciates it. But, it, but he's also told us it's just not the right time, and we respect that. What What is it about the Twins that seems to be different being new here? You mentioned you, this is your 30th opening day as an employee of the Twins. And I'm about to, I'm, what I'm about to say, I say it in the best way, Dave. 
It's odd that a manager who was fired six months ago would be in camp visiting with the guys who fired him and the guy who replaced him and doing it with the cheery disposition and saying there are no hard feelings and nothing but good feelings about the Minnesota Twins, and I'd love to be back in the fold at some point. That's not normal. There's some. Yeah. There's something different about an organization. No, I, like I get it. You know, I, I would say two things of that. I think that's just been the reality, and I'll probably take accountability for that. I've been central to uh, advocating for Ron Gardenhire when he stepped away, and advocating for Paul and um, you know Terry Ryan uh, because I know what these people have meant to our franchise, and I also know what they mean to the people that work within the walls of Target Field. Um, they mean a great deal. So. I think those guys all could contribute, and they all did contribute in different ways. If Paul Molitor is willing to spend time at Cedar Rapids uh, working with our players around base running, why, we'd be crazy not to tap into Paul right. Molitor to do that. And it's a credit to Rocco Baldelli for not, you know, not having anything to say other than that would be a good idea as well. But uh, we're unique. I think it's probably our, uh, you know, it's, it, to some extent our culture, but I also would say that that culture has been rocked. Uh, quite a bit over the last five years in terms of you just looked at the amount of change that's happened in our organization. I'm one of the mainstays. I'm one of the guys, <laughs> few guys that's been around that long. And, uh, uh, you know, eventually I can tell you when I leave, they won't invite me back. <laughs> no statue for you? You don't no. think so? That's not coming, Judd. I'll You're be burning sitting, all the bridges on your way out. I'll be back with you looking to looking to watch some hockey and drink some craft Amen, brother. All right. Just call me up. Uh, by the way, uh, another item in the man how time flies bucket, this is – this is year 10 of Target Field already, right? Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. And I'll never Jeez. forget, you know, we were, we were making the move to, to, to the predecessor of Score North, 1500, and right when you guys had gone with ESPN, right, and, 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 and uh, Target Field was, was obviously, a, um, you know, a big part of that. But, yeah, the ballpark, the ballpark changed a lot of things for us uh, in terms of the organization. I think it finally allowed us to present the game the way it's supposed to be presented. I'm proud of the Target Field experience. I think it holds its own across pro sports, not just Major League Baseball. Uh, we're always trying to make it better. The only thing that's disappointing is our team has not consistently performed at the level that we need to perform. We get it. We understand it. We're doing everything we can to change it. I look forward to the day when we, when we have the type of team that's a perennial contender with that experience because I think the electricity you feel here today is what we should be able to feel over the course of 81 games. What's the best change in, in the time now? since the ballpark opened, and you guys have certainly uh, poured in a lot of cash to that ballpark, Dave. What, in your opinion, is the best tweak and or change that's been made in that uh, nine-year, now going on 10 period? You know, there's, you know, it, bat and barrel's pretty cool, I think, that yeah, considering John, now it's open to all cool, fans. Yeah, bat you hear that? Um, I can <laughs> tell you, going back to, from 2010 to 2013, you, know, you know, when we opened the ballpark, we didn't have an intermodal transit hub, um, and, and it was a security issue for people getting on public transportation. Yeah. I, you know, that's not quite as a sexy answer, but Target Field Station was a huge add to the Target Field experience. I love Barrio in left field. i got to um, agree on that I one, I love yeah. Catch in center field. I love them all. They're kind of like picking your kids, right? Yeah. The next big thing for us will be scoreboard. That's coming the next couple of years, and we've already started a process to look at what we can do. Do we make it bigger? Uh, what do we do in right field with the tower? Um, you know, the, the, the scoreboard world is, is, is something we're living in right now in terms of a new board in Target Field over the next couple of years. Well, I haven't had a chance to experience Target Field game day yet, but I did go to Target Field food day the other day. As a, yeah, how'd as, it go as, for you? I, you? You guys almost killed me, Dave. Yeah. I, I sampled 15 <laughs> different items and ate every bite of almost every item that they gave me. Yeah, well, you know, we appreciate you coming out. It was amazing. I, you know, again, I, I mean, said it. I said it. You know, we lived in the Metrodome for 28 years, and, 
I think we probably had the worst food in Major hey, League Baseball. Don't sleep on those dome dogs, though. Yeah, they, they, you're right. The <laughs> dome dog and our friends, at, and left our, friends at, our friends at Hormel were really central to that, and I give them credit. That was a great, great product. However, when we made the move here, it was a conscious decision. How do we reinvent the food and beverage experience in a ballpark? And I th- it's, been, it's been rewarding to see other venues now follow suit. Yeah, I know every venue here has, has, been elevated, has really raised their game. And I still think ours is the best, but I'm biased. How, how competitive now, too, Dave? I mean, you've got, as, as you, you recall, in the 90s, you couldn't get a stadium built in this town if you begged, <laughs> borrowed, steal, stole. But, I mean, now you've got soccer, new stadium, yeah. the Saints, new boutique yeah. ballpark. Uh, the Wild, uh, Wolves, the Vikings. How competitive has has this market become just for that corporate dollar? Because none of this is cheap, yep. and there's a lot of nice places now to go to. It's insanely competitive, Judd, particularly around you know uh, your, your corporate hospitality, uh, corporate uh, uh, partnerships, the, the number of suites. You know, I think that those are the areas where it's most competitive. And I and I will tell you this. I've always said that, you know, when a market like this, there's going to be winners and there's going to be losers. So um, I think the challenge for us is when we're not consistently uh, good on the field, guess what? You know, it, it impacts our revenues. And there's no doubt that our struggles in Target Field have put us in a different spot today than we thought we would be in the 10th season in the ballpark. Um, where, it, where, in my mind, it accrues to the advantage is to fans because I think in this market, it puts the onus on every owner and every club president to do everything they can to drive the great fan experience and continue to make their ballpark, their facility, their stadium, their arena beautiful, uh, and also to put a good team on the field. Because if you don't, there's enough, enough options in this market. Fans are going to go elsewhere. We're, we're dealing with that right now, trying to regain credibility with the overall fan base, the casual fans. And, and it's going to take us playing good baseball here over the course of the 2019 season yeah, that's to the, do that. That's, that's one of the things that we've talked about throughout the last few weeks, too, on our show is that you can sit here. The, the, the organization's kind of in a spot where, hey, Alex Kirloff is probably going to be amazing, and Royce Lewis, and but fans are in this, well, I've been burned enough over the past however many years. I'll wait to buy in until I see it, yeah. and that's kind of the reality. You know what? And I think it's fair, Phil. We've got to earn our way back, and I, you know, I, you know, I, we get it. We're realistic about it. Our attendance coming into this year. Um, you know, we're going to, you know, Saturday's crowd is not going to be what we would like it to be. I'll tell you that right now. But I also get it. And, again, the onus is on us. And when Rocco Baldelli took this job, he took this job knowing that he was going to take the helm of a team that had a bright future, but, but nothing was guaranteed. And we got to earn our way every day. And I, I do believe this club will be in playing meaningful games late into the season, hopefully into September. And if that happens, I think our attendance will move in the right direction in the near term. Yeah. Dave St. Peter, Twins president. We didn't even we didn't even have time for the debate about retractable roast, Rami. No, I didn't bring it up. Maybe in next t- time. I didn't bring it up intentionally because <laughs> there's, you know, there's no debate. It's opening day. Let's you'll, you'll, you'll save that for next year's opening day if it's 25 <laughs> yeah. degrees and snow. I know that. Enjoy the day, guys. Thank, Thank you, Dave. Thanks a lot, Dave. Appreciate it. Mackie and Judd with Rami edition of Touch Em All. Back to Kieran's Irish Pub shortly. Touch Em All. Show is brought to you by Robert W. Baird and Company. Lindsay, it is Touch Em All live from Kieran's Irish Pub for Twins opening day here on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com and a Mackie and Judd with Rami edition of Touch Em All. 
here from uh, 1 o'clock until 2 o'clock. We're live from Kieran's Irish Pub. Score North is all afternoon long. Matthew Collar literally standing by along with Jonathan Harrison to take the airwaves at 2 o'clock, and then we're back at 4. If you don't have tickets to the game and you're in the neighborhood, or even if you're not to the neighbor- in the neighborhood, make your way down. Come watch the game with us out here at Kieran's Irish Pub as we're out here all afternoon live. Uh, at Kieran's from uh, noon until 6 o'clock. And uh, we just had a conversation with Dave St. Peter, the Twins president out here at Kieran's Irish Pub. So I'm going to say this about Dave St. Peter. And it's not, I don't think it's new. I think he's been this way for, I don't know, like he's been very public in the organization for 15 or 20 years. And he has always been candid and accountable and available I mean, when they were losing 99 games in 103 games, it wasn't, where'd Dave St. Peter go? Oh, he hasn't tweeted in a while. He's on social media. I don't think he's ever turned down an interview request, at least to be on our show. And we have him on maybe three, four times a year. And what what I love about what he said is there's a lot of self-awareness there that, that he brought to that segment on behalf of the Twins organization, I think, isn't that... There's a lot of fans who are, like, today is going to be different. They sold out the stadium. It's opening day. It's different. It's a holiday of sorts, right? But he was very open about Saturday's attendance, probably not going to be too great, and that's on us. We have to earn back the trust of the fan base. And he even went so far as to say, we thought we'd be in a different spot revenue-wise, popularity, and and, win-loss record-wise if you would have gone back to 2010 and i love that he doesn't even really try to spin it he just owns it and i and i you know and you know there's been times where he hasn't loved what we've had to say on this show about the team and the organization um, but i love that he's accountable and i love that he comes on and he and he shoots as straight as almost any team president will shoot dave gets it and and also he knows though in fact when i walked in the building today to uh, target field this morning i walked by when, when you come out of Bat and Barrel, because yes, I had to go in through Bat and Barrel. When you come out to your, spot. when you come out to your uh, immediate right are like four or five suites. And guess what? Every one of those suites is basically for rent. Ten years ago, those suites were sold. And and the reality, as he talked about in in this town, is we we just did a show last Friday from Allianz Field, which is gorgeous. But guess what? It's not cheap. And this is this is a major market, but it's not huge, right? And you have so many options. And forget sports, not just sports. You've got options of summertime, going to a cabin. You've got options of the theater. You so so the twins very much. Dave's right. You can't just sit back here and say we're going to throw open the doors to Target Field and you're going to show up. People will today, but starting with home game two, they won't. And so this club has, if, if this club wants to be successful financially, they have absolutely no choice but to change things. And, and in the last three or four years, we have seen them make massive changes that there was a long time when you couldn't have imagined the Minnesota Twins doing things like firing managers and hiring not just one or two new people, but executives that, that it's a laundry list. But he's right. If they don't do that, guess what? Target Field, as gorgeous as that place is, and I love that ballpark, it's going to have people who go there basically to get drunk, and that's going to be it. And that's not enough to be competitive. Was there a time where Target where Target Field was, regardless of what was happening on the field, 
it was new enough and nice enough and cool enough that it was it was the place to be. Yep. That for, they were the selling tickets years. regardless. I mean, attendance has gone down. I think every year for nine oh, or sure. ten years. Yeah. But the first three years, so they lost ninety nine games in two thousand eleven, the second year at Target Field. But they just won the division the year before that for the sixth time, and they went to the playoffs, got beat by the Yankees again, of course. So going into 2011, people thought that team was going to compete, and so there was a ton of preseason uh, season ticket sales. But even 2012, I mean, it was like on the weekends, 30-plus thousand people would show up on a Friday or a Saturday night. And if you go back and look at some of the attendance figures last year, it was very Metrodome-like. If you go, if you go to like some of those even successful, and the season years. ticket base now is eroded to, yeah. to a point where it's not good. I, I came down here. In fact, I was in this very bar here in, in 2010, the first year. It was a Saturday afternoon game, I believe, in June, and I thought I'll buy a ticket on the street. Right? Yeah. That year, I approached like two people for, and they they wanted, if I'm correct, in 2010 when the team was good and the ballpark was brand new, a hundred bucks a piece, and I'm like, not for a June game against Texas. Yeah. And so, so there, there, was a pl- there was a time when this was the place to be because the first year the team was good or for a few years it, it was new. But that's my point. Now you've got Allianz Field, U.S. Bank Stadium, TCF Bank, which is not great, but it's, it's still open in 2009. The point being is in this town, we love to flock to new things. It's not enough anymore. It's tar- not enough of an attraction anymore. And Target Field's now, now not new. It's still really cool, and they've done a great job, and, and the updates are ordinarily solid. But, yeah, it's not. you can't just say, we put in a new uh, play place, and so now show up. Mm-hmm. Now, now, they've tried with bars, God bless them, because they put in new bars constantly. But, yeah, and, and, and it is, a, it is a, in this market... An incredibly difficult fight that the Twins, that all teams, probably aside from the Vikings yeah. and and Wild, I don't know exactly why, but those are the two teams that seem insulated. And beyond that, you know, Wolves, Twins, go down that list. Golfers, golfers, right? Well, sure. I mean, th- think about this, and 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 the, and you know, you could say this about any of the teams in town, but the Twins had. A runway between 2010 and 2015, and they had a, they had pieces on their roster, and they they just they had eroded. In they fell behind the times in the way that they scouted and the way that they implemented analytics, which was zero ten years ago, and now they're probably one of the top seven or eight forward-thinking teams. But they had a chance to plant a flag in the ground and grow their brand to to levels that would have been really tough to come off of. And, and all they would have had to do is just be more competitive on the field, right? And it, so be more competitive on the field and have a brand-new stadium and combine those two things between 2010 and 2015, and boom, you're off to the races. And maybe you've bought yourself a couple years of recalibration and rebuilding, but they went into full rebuild mode two or three years after they opened Target Field, not because that was their plan, but because they just didn't see the haymaker coming, that the baseball god said, oh, you're falling behind the times? And you're going to suffer some injuries. It ain't going to be so easy to just pull yourself, you know, you know, back up off the dirt and and compete again. And Dave said one very key thing. And and if this is true, and I think it probably is, it's the most important thing. Dave said, eventually, I hope fans can see what we're doing, because in this town there have been teams where you legitimately scratch your head and say, I don't know. And unfortunately, they've said the same thing. So when Dave says what Derek and Thad are doing, that there's a plan here, and, and it's not always clear, and it doesn't, much to fan chagrin, involve going out and signing Keuchel, right? 
But I do think that these guys, and it might not work, but I do think that there's a plan here now. And if that plan comes to fruition, I think it at least gives you a shot to be on, on the correct path. And unfortunately for this team, since about 2011, the path has been has been um, not always consistent. And see, I think it goes beyond just, a, and maybe I'm, I'm nitpicking here, but I think it goes beyond just a plan and more to a system. Because when you talk about a plan, you're talking about this particular group of guys that they have here, at least a core of guys that they have here, and what they're going to do with them. I th- when he, he mentioned perennially contending. When you talk about that, you're talking about the systems that you have in place in terms of talent evaluation, development, and guys who aren't even here yet, guys who aren't even on our radar yet, probably on theirs when you talk about scouting, but I think it goes much deeper than just what we think of as a plan and goes to their systems and their way of operating overall from the time that they find a player, whether it's in the draft or whether it's in free agency or or, or a trade, to eventually getting the most out of that player. I think that's what they've they've tried to change the most since Falvey and Levine have come in here and take over. Yeah, it is. And the Twins were, there was a time right before the end of the Terry Ryan, probably the two or three years before the end of the Terry Ryan, the second Terry Ryan era. And by the way, the first run of Terry Ryan turned out to be one of the more, I don't know if innovative is the word, but definitely one of the most successful in terms of what your budget is on a on a payroll uh, for your roster and how successful the Twins were. And that were. took time, too. Yeah, I mean, they, like, that Terry took a lot of time. 94, 95, yeah. they were bad for five years, but um, the Twins were really defensive. In 2014, 15, 16, the years leading up to when they finally pulled the plug, and I think that might have rubbed fans the wrong way, too, in that, you know, they sort of, like, Terry Ryan kind of openly mocked analytics a couple different times very publicly, and and, you know, it's when you look around the league in 2013, 14, 15 and see which teams are really having success, and it's the Rays and it's the Red Sox and the Indians were popping back up and it's all these forward-thinking teams, and you're losing 90 games, 95, 96 games, and you're sort of being flippant about the way that other teams are going about it, it, it definitely rubbed me the wrong way, and, and it's, it's good to see them finally get out of that mode and get into a more forward-thinking mindset. But they, I think the losing coupled with the defiance rubbed people the wrong way for a couple of years there, and they're trying to get it back on track. So you think that, that that's what led to the drop-off in attendance, that they literally... No, no, the team just stunk. Okay. Well, yeah, like, lo- like it didn't help. Losing was number one. By the way, Kieran in the house over here, Kieran Folliard, everybody. Uh, Nice when Kieran drops by. Kieran, nice to see you. Come hang out. <laughs> very, yeah, I mean, like, very powerful man in this. Oh, very I powerful imagine. man in this town. I imagine. <laughs> I mean, put it this way: when you're losing 95 or 96 games every year, and it's expensive to park, it's expensive to buy food, and expensive to buy tickets, and the Gophers hire a new coach, or the Wild have a playoff team. Oh, look, the Wolves drafted. Uh, they 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 traded for Andrew Wiggins and drafted Carlin. I think I'll put my money in the Wolves for a year to see if they right. It's and oh, CHS Field. Like if I've got. X amount of money per week or per month to take myself or my family or my friends to a game, it's so much more competitive now than it was when Target Field opened. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And and the interesting thing, if you go back and look now, if you it runs very parallel to how people felt about the Twins to, to how they felt about Maurer. And, and I always go back to what? Bilateral leg weakness, right? Yeah. Because fans were like, that's BS. We were like, that's BS. Everyone... And so, so I think the Twins, and Dave, 
touched on this. I think the Twins sort of eroded a trust that had been built. Like the end of the end of the dome and those successful teams, there was sort of a trust I felt between the fan base and the club of okay, we're in this together and and we're Minnesota and it's not a great stadium, but we're successful. And when they moved to Target Field and things quickly went south, I always felt like fans partially turned on Maurer as a symbol that they were turning on yes. the team. 100%. Like it was the same type of thing. That's a, the fans. I love the, the you're 100% right. Fans looked at it as 2010 was we all together made this stadium happen and it's awesome and every game's a sellout. And then they started losing. And then the payroll dropped from 120 million to 80 million in year three, year four. And fans said, wait, did we just get wamboozled? Was this a bait and switch? Did you really just like build a new stadium right. with a large chunk of public funding? And then strip the payroll by $40 million and put a losing product on the field? Are you pocketing money? Like, and, and, and so there Are was you the tr- Miami Marlins? Essentially of. is what people were asking. There yeah. was a major trust issue and, and still is a trust issue between fans and the Twins. And the only way to fix it is by winning and by reinvesting into the product on the field as attendance continues to rise. But again. can it get back to a point? where they have they have a chunk of years where they win. Let's say four or five years, they're competitive. Will the fans give them some leeway and some leash after that and still show up to Target Field? Or will or because of all the stuff you're talking about and all the different attractions and things that compete with going to ball game, mm-hmm. will will attendance at Target Field always be tied to the record on the field? Or will they ever earn back enough credibility with Twins fans along with the attraction that Target Field is that it'll be a place to be almost no matter what. Uh, unfortunately, in the market size and the competition now, my thought is no. They have to win consistently and continue to. Because there's just, there's there's so much, there's only so much corporate cash and fan cash here. So if they go on a four-year run and things are going great, they're going to draw. But then if they descend again, now, I think there might have been a time where where this town could have absorbed that and still gone but i think if you have a you know a four or five year run again and then it goes backwards i think fans are are gone and that's why i'm very curious to see if the wild misses the playoffs now and goes through a down spell if those fans continue to go consistently because they have they have seemed to be teflon to problems so far uh, but to answer your question my thought process is right now if you go backwards fans are going to bail yeah uh, it's going to be an interesting thing to watch over the next few years. And this, so this season's also an interesting experiment. And in I think they're going to be good this year. I think this team, and Rami and I are kind of on the same wavelength here. I think this team can win the division this year. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're in the Red Sox, Astros, Yankees level. Those are 100-win teams. Right. I think this is a flirt with 90 wins team, and 90 wins might win you this division. And it's not going to be an immediate flood of attendance to the gates. If they start 15 or 20 games over 500 or something in the first half of the season, it ain't like you're going to go back to 40,000 know, person sellouts. It'll have to be a slow build over the course of the year, and then maybe the season ticket base sees a jump next year, and it's now, would they sell out playoff games? Yes, if you got that far down the road. But, but it's not going to be like, oh, in May they're good. We're all back. <laughs> but here, but but here, here is how we are wired. Okay. Well, last night on Twitter, I just said, "What's your Twins' prediction?" And I got a lot of people that are positive. Like first place, yeah, they. But inevitably, the follow-up, and this is us. 
The follow-up was, but they'll lose to the Yankees for sure. So, yeah, so, they, but I mean, that's that's how we that's how we think. Yeah, right. Like, first place, that's fantastic, and not oh, it's going to be great. You know, fun summer. We're like first place, yeah. And then it's, guess what? You, you know, the Twins are a video game that you've played a hundred times, and you keep getting beat in the final stage of the video by the game, last right? boss. Yeah, yeah. Like Bowser continues to kill right. you as yeah. Mario in the last. Episode. Yeah, and so every time they get back to the final level, instead of all right, this is great, like back to being relevant, it's well, but Bowser always kicks your ass at Yankee Stadium. Right? For me, it was uh, Bebop and Rocksteady on yeah. the uh, Ninja Turtles game. <laughs> Such a Could great never game. get past I have those guys. No clue what you're talking about. Then, <laughs> I have no clue. And then what they did was so that in the Ninja Turtles movies, <laughs> Secret of the Ooze, yeah. the sequel to, to Ninja Turtles. Sure. They they had the two guys uh, Bebop and Rocksteady, but they called them something different on the movie. Why? I don't know. I didn't see the latest incarnation of Ninja Turtles. Sure. It's like 25 years ago. How did we devolve into a Ninja Turtles conversation on Twins opening I'm going back to the ballpark. I'll see you guys later. I'm not sure how that happened. What's funny is Judd has the Michelangelo microphone. It's orange. And you've got the Raphael microphone. I was always a Raphael guy. Always. The size? That was my dude. Yeah. Yeah. I'm more of a Zach Parisi guy, but that's just me. Okay. Same thing. Judge more of an 80s Oilers guy. <laughs> oh, you know I am. Glenn Anderson, baby. This is a special Mackie and Judd with Rami episode of Touch Em All, live from Kieran's Irish Pub, heading into the Twins' home opener, the Twins' season opener against the Cleveland Indians. And if you're new to Score North or you're new to the Touch Em All show here, the three best ways to listen to Score North while you're on the go, number one, the Score North mobile app available in the Apple and Google Play stores. Number two, you can just type in live.scorenorth.com into any web browser, either on your mobile device uh, or on your desktop, laptop, whatever it is. And number three, if you have an Amazon Alexa device, just say, Alexa, open Score North. And boom, you'll hear us. Just like that. Grabbing, delivering Magic. Hotcakes. Yes. So Jub was just perusing around behind the scenes at Target Field, pregame access. Let's get some Judd observations. When we come back here, that's a right. always love Judd observations. Yeah, so Mackie and Judd with Ron. Yeah, where's my beer? That's my observation <laughs> of Touch 'Em All back shortly. It's Touch 'Em All on the all-new Score North on 1500 and ScoreNorth.com. A Mackie and Judd with Rami edition of Touch 'Em All special, also special live from Kieran's Irish Pub for Twins opening day. They'll take on the Indians coming up at three o'clock, and uh, Score North is live from Kieran's Irish Pub. All afternoon long, Jonathan uh, Harrison and Matthew Collar standing by for Score North Live at 2 o'clock. And then the three of us will be back from 4 until 6. If you're in the neighborhood or even not in the neighborhood and don't have a ticket, come on down, watch the game with your friends from Score North. Judd had a chance to go out and visit the uh, the folks at Target Field in the pregame festivities before opening day today. Judd? Yes, sir. It's time for your observations, my friend. All right. Uh, uh, my first observation is I believe I owe an apology to Rocco Baldelli. Already? Already. The guy hasn't managed a game yet. I know. I know. But I, uh, okay. So I got on the show yesterday, <laughs> and I said, you know, Rocco wouldn't tell us his lineup, and I... I don't really care. You thought he was playing espionage, but yes, but right, I, but yeah. I, I did imply very strongly that uh-huh. he was he was going competitive advantage. Sure. And I asked Phil, does that make sense to you? And even Phil's like, not really. Like pitching does, but lineups don't. Okay. My apology to Rocco is this: I believe this is now rooted in the fact that Vegas has to see the lineups before they are divulged to the media. Because of oh. because of the deal, I believe baseball has with MGM. Is that correct? Yeah. I think it's MGM. So the team has to submit the lineup to the league, and the league gives it to Vegas, and, okay. and MGM sets the odds. 
And so I don't think this had anything to do with Rocco not telling us. I think across the board, he could have said, this is what I'm thinking, but I don't think he can give you a definitive lineup until it goes through Vegas. They set the odds, and then it's posted. Okay. So my observation is, Rocco, I'm sure you've got us on your earbuds right now, like to apologize for basically saying that you were trying to be a football coach. Sorry, uh, two dudes in Nishioka jerseys just came over here. Uh, In fact, I know Clint's. Clint's an awesome guy. Siyoshi Nishioka jerseys oh, in the house awesome. for the Twins opener today. Brilliant. Matching Nishioka jerseys. Yes. Yeah. Well, wow. Judd and I have rules uh-huh. for grown men wearing jerseys. Right. Have we ever talked to you about this, I don't Robbie? think so, no. no. No, we've not. Okay. So there's there's two, and we don't mean to be, you know, uh, Scrooge McJersey guys here. Right. But if you're a grown adult. Judd's okay with being Scrooge McJersey guy, I get the sense. We feel like your jersey has to either be someone who's older than you that you sort of look up to or is, is like you were a kid. And Was a were, hero right, of yours. Right. Like sure. I could wear Carew. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Or it's an ironic slash funny jersey. Okay. So, like, I, you know, again, to each their own. So, you guys. I'm not going to wear a Byron Buxton jersey. I can't wear my Chris Bryant jersey around you guys. Well, you can do whatever you want. Right. No, you're correct. I'll be ridiculed. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> we'll make fun of you. Okay. But, you know, but if you had, uh, like, a Jim Bollinger jersey or something. <laughs> Like a na- random 90s Cub. Okay, it's funny. It's ironic. Was it Brant Brown? <laughs> Brant Brown. Brant Brown who dropped the ball against the Brewers. <laughs> Tuffy Rhodes. Oh, Tuffy. We got to talk about that later on. on yeah. Nike and Jeb with Rami. Yeah. But, so, yes. That would be another one you could So, wear. Chris Bryant would. You can do it, but we'll, but I'll be we'll give you crap for I'm okay it. with that. Okay. And I get it. I get what you're saying. I get those rules. I just don't abide by them. Okay. Nishioka yeah. is great, though. It is, yeah. Now, now yeah, Boof Bonzer. Did, didn't you see a Boof Bonzer jersey one yeah. time? That's uh, An Oakland A's Boof Bonzer jersey, and the man proposed to his uh, girlfriend on the big screen at Target Field that should, five or six years that ago. That should not be allowed either. In the third deck, about three rows from the top. Just and a, a Boof Bonzer jersey? And Mandels, yes. And she said yes? No, no. Oh, okay, good. No, in fact, it ended not only with her just staring at him, and, and she didn't want to fillet him on camera, but she just sort of stood there and, and had a death stare going through the back of his skull. And so he grabs her hand and tries to put the ring on her finger. Oh, boy. But she went sort of dead fish. <laughs> so he's trying to jam the engagement ring on her finger, and she's not helping at all. She's just staring at him like, get up. This is not happening. Why, why are we doing and this? By the, and, and still, none of that as embarrassing as the Booth Bonzer jersey yeah. and the Mandels. Yeah. And by the way, that proposal is expensive. It costs a lot. Oh, yeah. I didn't even know that you had to pay to yes. propose on oh, the yeah. Jumbo Tron. Oh, yeah. I like had no idea. I, you guys told me that. I did a, so in 2010 or 11, I think it was 2010, the Star Tribune did a day at the ballpark thing, and every everyone was assigned a different thing to observe. Yeah. Mine was scoreboard. And I think at the time, so this is eight years back, I think at the time it was 150 bucks for a proposal. Wow. So now it's probably up to two something. Wow. At least two something. And there's no guarantees that you will get the yes, right? You're paying 200 bucks, and she might slap you in the face in front of 30,000 people. As much as I love sports, I've never been able to figure out why someone do- does that at a sporting event. Of all the places to propose, like, would it ever go? You, you love baseball, Phil. Oh, yeah. Rami, too. Would it ever go through your head to be like, okay, here's where I'm going to do it. Saturday afternoon at the ballpark. No, I would. Well, I would get my teeth kicked in by Jana. Like I, she knows. Okay, but let's say. But, but let's she's say, already told me that. So. And good for her, yeah. and she should beat you up for that. But let's say, let's say she was she liked baseball too and didn't care. Yeah. 
would you still even contemplate that? No. Well, I think whenever I see a guy doing that, the only window that it can be safe in to me is if you net at a ballpark. I was just going to say that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But, but if it's okay. But if it if it's just that you're a huge Twins fan and you think, oh, I, I'm a Twins fan and I'm going to do this and surprise her, chances are she's not tracking on that same wavelength and has like ten other ideas. Right. You're thinking about your dream. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and it's not at all her dream. That is not her dream, dude. That was not what she was looking for. But if you met at Target, if your first date that's, was at that, that I get. Barrel, that right? I get. If it's a special place for you in your relationship, that I understand. But even then, to make it less about you, because it should be about her, right? I'm no expert here. Like I, I try in relationships, and and the one I'm in is a great one, and I and I try my best. I'm not trying to be you know, re- relationship. You're not trying to be here. the love doctor, correct? Of the score, um, but but I think if you're going to propose at a ballpark and you're just going to make it about her. Why wouldn't you just like do it in the concourse so that's that it's what not I was about the say. other thirty thousand people? That, that's what I think. I think what throws me the most is the scoreboard. Yeah. So why, like, like, why is the guy in the upper deck and left field involved? Like in my proposal to the and guy, our, right? our propo- aren't proposals supposed to be sort of a romantic, intimate, intimate deal between two people? Yes. Not not. Like, look at me! I paid three hundred <laughs> bucks. Okay, Lin- yes. uh, Lin- Lindsay, the floor is yours. Hi. <laughs> hey, Lance, what's up? Uh, Talk to well, us. I'm just listening to you guys talking about getting proposed to the ballpark, and yes, that is the worst idea of all time. <laughs> Thank you. I would lose my mind if that ever happened to me if I was dating someone. Now, how about at the X? Certainly not. Okay. Okay. Well, you, you do love hockey, so I thought you might have a different view, it, but okay. I don't blame you. Under what circumstances, Lindsay, would it be acceptable to propose to your gal at a public venue such as a stadium or a, like a sporting event? See, I don't like the public venue because I think then it's making it not only about you, the proposer, but you're making it like, look at our happiness and love. Look at us. Look on the scoreboard. And then yeah. that's, what it, that's not what the proposal is about. The proposal is about committing to someone and asking them to spend the rest of their life with you. Yeah, you're, you're, you're projecting something onto everybody else, too, that they didn't even ask for, by the way. Right. I'm just there to how enjoy dare the you? game. And now, like, now, how dare you throw your love and right. happiness in my face? I don't have these things. Yeah. Get that I'm, out of here. I'm miserable and drunk right now. I don't want to see your happiness. You can always tell, too. So they always did. I don't know what it's like now this season, but they always had the proposals right after the kiss cam. And, it, and you could tell if the, if the throw down from the catcher to second base at the end of in-between warm-ups hadn't taken place yet, and they cut from kiss cam to another couple, oh. you knew that it was going to be a proposal. Okay. So you could sort of see, and the guy would be all, like, sitting there and turns to the gal and, like, oh, she thinks it's kiss cam still. And, no, he gets on a knee, and 50% of the time she says yes. The other 50% it's wildly uncomfortable. <laughs> kiss cam can die, too. <laughs> Like we, can get rid of kiss, we can get rid of Kiss Cam, too. It's run its course. What about? Do we still have underwater cam at Target Field? Uh, Pentair sponsors it. Yes, we do. Do they really? Yeah, yes. Just like, everyone's underwater. In fact, in fact, it's the first one. I went to a Pfizer Second Forum inning, right? down in Milwaukee last weekend for the first time, and on their Jumbotron, they have, like, uh, Snapchat filters. Okay. Yeah, I, I thought that was a cool new twist to the Jumbotron involving the fans thing. What, what if we had, like, a Tinder-sponsored you know, between-innings thing? Where you get like you have a gal on one side of the screen and oh. she's just swiping left or right on the random guys that are popping up on the right. Oh dear God! Oh, I love it. Whole, whole new purpose for your nap room that we talked about yesterday. Oh, no. 
I actually love that. I think that's a great idea. So, you know, it's like single guy or gal on the left, and then just swiping left or right, on, and the cameras are just that's, showing random that's people. not bad at all. I think that's a well, great it's, idea. It's patronizing, and it's, you know, it's it's sexist the, and things like that. It's a ballpark. <laughs> no, you do it. Bumble will be the sponsor where the woman picks the guys, and so now it's not sexist or misogynistic or patronizing, right? Sure. Yeah, because we mock the point? poor guys. Isn't that the point of Bumble? Yeah, no, then we're just ridiculing men. Man, yeah. And their looks. And material, material, and who doesn't enjoy doing that? It sounds like it cuts deep for you, Rami. <laughs> I think Rami and I have a lot of the same security problems. You guys might want to go, maybe along with bad posture. Maybe a psychologist endorsement. Nah, we're you. just going to spread the two hours in between shows at the bar. <laughs> and I got that mouth to tell you guys. Uh, Joe, what else did you in the last few minutes here of uh, the oh, yeah. observation? Oh, yeah. We forgot about that. What else did you observe perusing around the clubhouse before the game? Uh, the, the most interesting thing that Rocco Baldelli said in my mind was Lavelli Neal of the Star Tribune asked him about all of the off days early. And he said, I'm not going to complain about it because it makes no sense to complain. But then he basically said, it is going to be difficult. Yeah. Like this schedule, and, and he said that in his career that he has never been involved in a schedule that to start a season is so uh, fractured, I guess, with off days. So so you could tell, he basically said, we talked about this a lot. We ordinarily wouldn't have to, but in Florida, we talked about this a, a lot. And uh, it definitely, as you said off the air before the show, Phil, it definitely presents some issues with roster construction to start with compared to once they get out of that cycle and get uh, to playing on a daily basis. So are they starting the season a few days earlier than usual in order to avoid having to play eight double headers later in the year for teams that have you know, weather problems? Or are they doing it to pull the playoffs earlier too or are they just doing it for no the season i thought oh hold on a second i thought i knew this and i I forget now um because dave st peter said at twins fest that next year the season is going to start even earlier because the election is in november and and tv wants them done okay uh i forget the exact reason why it's starting earlier this year but he said next year is going to be like march 24th or something Well, they, the so they want Fox the World Series bas- to start at like, on like the 20th. Fox has basically said the election ha- the you have to be done by the time our election coverage starts. Okay. So, but yeah, this is uh, and I you know I, I suppose so, so the Twins are going to open at home today, be off tomorrow, play Saturday Saturday's and Sunday, one, yeah. right, and then and then leave town because of the basketball tournament here. And so that, which is also, as we discussed before, sort of weird. Like this I, whole, still, I still don't understand why they have to leave town because there is a basketball tournament. Uh, it's sort of weird. On the other side of I town. I don't really get it either. Because we're like, it's going to be too many people downtown. They got to clear out. I, this is not the Super Bowl. The final, you can handle the Final Four in a couple of baseball games. Can't you? I would think so. But, in fact, the Wolves, I guess, are home. So who knows? Well, there's days. Aren't there days on Sundays where the Twins are playing at home and the Vikings are playing at home? And yes. I, like, no, I know. It just, I'm not defending it. Is that different? Like, is it different if the, the Vikings are... I, I get know. that there's more people coming to town in hotel rooms. Right, but are you really thinking that, oh, my gosh, the Twins are playing the Orioles on a Saturday. We'll never handle all these <laughs> Orioles fans. <laughs> we're going to have to put them out in the suburbs. You're going to have to stay in mound. The Orioles, by the way, were getting smoked early by the Yankees. Oh, they're so bad. They're off to a great start. All right, Matthew Collar coming up. Score North Live with Matthew Collar. And later on, Maggie and Jeb with Rami. We are live all day long until 6 across the street from Target Field at Kieran's Irish Pub. This has been a special episode of Touch Em All with Maggie and Judd and Rami.